Hello and welcome to Xlander, a podcast about and for all of you who have left their home to find a new one abroad. From the beautiful country of Switzerland, I've been bringing you this show for over a year now, talking to expats from all over the globe. To make sure that you don't miss a single episode of Xlander Podcast, your favorite expat show, just click the subscribe button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Listen Notes, and all available podcast platforms that are out there. And in order to find out more about what I do, go to www.xlander.ch. And now, on with the show. Great. Today I'm talking to Stephanie. Stephanie is in Zurich. So, hi, how are you doing? Hi, thanks. It's nice to be here today. Yeah. Uh, so tell us, first of all, just um, straight to it. Who are you and what do you do? <laughs> so my name is Stephanie. I was born and raised in New Zealand. Lovely. Both of my parents are New Zealanders, but my father's parents are Swiss. So they moved to New Zealand when they were young. Mm -hmm. So I grew up in New Zealand and uh, looking back now, I see that New Zealand is very sheltered in terms of culture and travel. Um, so I remember going to Australia most years to visit my grandparents, but although the flight was three hours, when we got there, everything was still very similar to how it was at home, same language, similar culture. But my parents had always wanted to live overseas. So when I was almost 15 years old, we moved as a family to Switzerland okay. to experience some of the culture um, of our family heritage, but also the amazing travel opportunities that, that come with it. Mm -hmm. And I'm now living in Zurich uh, and working as a career coach. Oh, lovely. So it's been, it's been quite a long time then that you, I mean, you're basically Swiss, right? I mean, you speak the language, you've settled Would you call Switzerland that's, your home? Is that your home, your second home? What would you call it? Well, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? I know. That's I've, what I'm asking. Uh, <laughs> I've now been in Switzerland uh, for almost exactly the same length of time. So almost 15 years. Right. And uh, I would say that Switzerland has very much become my home, but mm -hmm. New Zealand will always be my, my first home, my true home, my childhood so I, uh, I couldn't live without New Zealand, but it is such a blessing to have two homes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's quite hard to decide. Sometimes I, I feel that it's like sitting on two chairs and one table. Sometimes you have both identities within you, right? And this is exactly the topic that this podcast is dealing with. And uh, this is what is actually quite appealing to um, lots of our listeners and viewers and the audience um, in general that... Um, Migration and immigration and expatriation is, is, is a very intimate process. Uh, at the same time, it is very exciting, but it can be also rather challenging. But um, yeah, okay, so you're based in Zurich. You mentioned that New Zealand, you, 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 you feel that it is a sheltered place. It is also very, very far away from Europe. So <laughs> traveling there you know, requires quite a lot of organization. You just can't like hop on a plane and, and leave especially now with the COVID restrictions. How is New Zealand doing now in this situation with COVID and uh, travel bans and so on? What's the situation now? Do you know? At the moment, um, New Zealand has just, unfortunately, just uh, started having more cases. So they're mm. currently battling COVID, um, but they did have almost a year 
with no community um, transfer whatsoever. So they've been enjoying a very COVID-free life so far, Mm -hmm. um, but they just closed down the borders as an island. um, That is possible. And so they have uh, enjoyed the benefits of that. But just now, um, unfortunately, there's COVID there again as well. So um, at the moment, only New Zealanders can enter New Zealand. So I haven't been back in three years. Okay. And when you go back, I mean, you just travel to visit the rest of your your family and friends, but do you have a place to stay to call home? I mean, do you go back to something that is that is yours, if I may be, you know, that nosy? Or have you sort of moved here with everything, with the whole sort of family, the whole project was to relocate and stay? Well, those are a couple of questions. Let me just... Uh maybe just uh, go back to the beginning that we originally planned to come for one to two years. <laughs> That's usually so, <laughs> what everybody keeps telling me. And then, yeah. <laughs> so um, my mom actually got a job over Skype, mm-hmm. over a Skype interview. And, you know, that doesn't sound like much nowadays, but this was uh, 14 years ago. So mm-hmm. I know a lot of our family friends thought that was very risky at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and courageous, and, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, so when we first came over, we were thinking one to two years, let's just see how it goes. So my father then ended up getting a job within a few months. My sister and I were enrolled in the local school. Mm-hmm. And uh, from then on in, it just uh, we just enjoyed. I remember at the beginning, we traveled every chance we got. So every long weekend, you know, every Easter, every summer, you know, every winter we would do these city trips we would we traveled through all of Switzerland I know a lot of my friends were saying I knew Switzerland better than they did in terms of travel mm-hmm. um and then uh yeah we just we really settled in and we really enjoyed it and we're in a place that we could stay so mm-hmm. I think it was after three years that we uh came back to New Zealand and then really did sell all of our stuff um, that we'd been keeping in storage and our um, our house, we'd been renting it out. So, yeah, whenever we went back to visit, it was always, we was always staying with friends and family. So we didn't mm-hmm. really have, we I mean, our home was still there, but there were other people living mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was just, it was always very bittersweet going back because, as you said, it takes such a long time to get there. So it was such a big thing to go back. And then... By the time we'd said hello to everyone and visited everyone, you know, we'd have to start visiting everyone again and saying goodbye. Yeah, and that was your, I mean, you only have limited amount of time and to, to do that and you also want to enjoy some of, you know, different things than just uh, visiting everybody mm. around. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, can you, and of course, I don't want you to speak for your parents or for, the, for their experience, but Obviously, it's been also a bit different than it was for you and your sister. So what sort of challenges do you think that they were facing, even though they were, I mean, partly going back to their sort of heritage and they were very curious and that was, a, let's say, an attractive um, job offer? Um, did, they, did they experience any, any challenges? I would imagine yes. And um, if so, could you, could you name some of them? It's not an easy process. I mean, you're relocating with teenage kids. Absolutely. I, I can definitely speak for us as a, as a family um, and through what, you know, we discussed uh, 
throughout the years of, of our experiences and also looking back what we remembered. So I think at the beginning, the language was just the biggest barrier for us. Uh, my mm -hmm. father had some of the language. My mother had the basics. But my sister and I couldn't speak any German when we came here. Mm -hmm. And there was just, along with the language, there was just so much that was foreign to me. For example, the fact that Swiss, Swiss dialect, is a spoken language, not a written one, mm -hmm. was very hard for me to grasp that was uh I, I just I could only imagine it is that everyone was speaking slang all of the time and then when you would write you would write it properly mm -hmm. but I couldn't understand that there was a Swiss dialect and then there was written what we call high German mm -hmm. um also the the formal and informal versions of the language that was very hard to just to, to decide at the beginning who is this person? How are they in relation to me? Is it a formal or an informal situation? Um, also in the workplace. Mm -hmm. um, and along with that, the social rules, which we have now come to love and appreciate. But at the beginning, that can be quite overwhelming as to, you know, how do you even say hello to someone? Is it a handshake? Is it one kiss? Is it three kisses? Is it a hug? <laughs> is it a handshake and then three kisses? <laughs> I mean, oh, that was just... So many, so many mistakes and head bumps and, you know, awkward laughing and high fives. And it's just interesting now looking back when we do go back to New Zealand, we, we miss those things. You know, mm -hmm. we, we miss the fact that when you're sitting down to dinner and everyone has poured a drink, you wait until everyone has their drink before you then start drinking. You know, it's just a nice thing. Or the fact that, you know, you sit down and you say, Ingoeta, you know, enjoy your meal. If you mm -hmm. say that in, in, in New Zealand, you, you get a look. You're like, oh, what? Yeah, yeah. How, how fancy are you? <laughs> so uh, so that, was, that was a big learning curve at the beginning. And we were also, we settled in a small Swiss village. Okay. And, and at the beginning, it was, we were really a bit famous. My, my sister and I appeared in the local newspaper Oh, really? Well, tell us a bit more about that. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, we did sometimes have people come up to us like, oh, are you from New Zealand? You know, we, we were a bit exotic. And I think my parents also struggled with the language because they both stepped into English speaking workplaces. So it was easy Whereas, to sort of get around. It was easier in the, let's say, in the working environment, yet in the local sort of setting, perhaps it was quite challenging to sort of integrate and to fit in. I mean, I wouldn't imagine that everybody could speak any English. I mean, it's different to, let's say, urban places like Zurich or Geneva or even Bern, but um, when you say, okay, a local sort of Swiss village. Yeah, yeah, okay, so there wasn't... There wasn't really an English speaking community there at all. And I, I know a lot of people have a similar issue with uh, with trying to learn the languages that Swiss people love practicing English. <laughs> what what little yeah. English they have. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so being at the supermarket and just saying, you know, one sentence, you know, uh, can you help me find something? And then they would just reply in English because they can hear your accent. So even missing out on those small opportunities to practice makes it a lot harder to then finally become, you know, immersed, which my sister and I, luckily we had the school uh, environment. And I'm actually really glad looking back that we did enter a local school, not mm -hmm. an international school. Mm -hmm. So we were completely thrown in the deep end at that point, but we learned all the faster because of it. That was very good. Very interesting what you, what you've just mentioned. And I think that that's also one big part of, 
how different, let's say, nationalities or different um, or people of different sort of language backgrounds are perceived, and especially in Switzerland uh, within the let's say expat community or people who've settled. Do you have the feeling? Because yes, that's the that's the common thing that the Swiss love to practice their English. And when I came here, and I'm not technically a native speaker. So then I was told, okay, you don't need to learn any German. Um, it's okay when you just speak English because everybody around Zurich, you know, and say in the working environment knows very good English and they will want to practice that. So that's okay. I mean, and I'm thinking, well, I actually would like to integrate a bit more and I don't want to be because then you're just like excluded from certain situations, right? And yet I found it very, very interesting Um The minute I would say, okay, I'm not a native speaker, you know, like I've got a different language background, then everybody would, or mostly people would switch into, oh, but then you should, you should integrate. I mean, you should learn Swiss German. You should be, you know, I mean, you should be at least trying, you know, to make the effort. And meanwhile, I've, I've mastered the language and so on. But for the English speakers here, there is not this expectation or that at least from my experience and from my from the experience of my english speaker speaking sort of colleagues and friends who've said it's been very hard for them to integrate even though they wanted everybody was just like oh that's good you know you can just speak english and say well no i'd like to learn so do you have the feeling that if you were of a different nationality it would have been a bit more difficult let's say to be let's say accepted i would agree with that um i think english is popular course yeah and yeah and it's something it's a it's a language that you can use everywhere and I think a lot of Swiss people like speaking English and this was something that I noticed when we got here that language is being able to speak a language is a something that Swiss are proud of mm-hmm. and that they really won't say that they can speak a language until they can really speak it well so mm-hmm. for example a friend of mine would say oh no I don't speak Spanish and I would say oh you know me either But she is able to introduce herself and go to a restaurant and order food and do all of this in Spanish. Whereas when I say I can't speak Spanish, I really can't. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I can say in Spanish, I speak English, Mm -hmm. you know, so they really don't want to speak a language until they can do it well. So Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. other languages, they know they they don't necessarily, they can't speak it. They don't have a chance of speaking it. So then mm. it's up to you to then to mm. learn, learn the local language. So I think it would have been different if we had, um, yeah, a different, a different mother tongue. What I did always notice, which I found interesting, Switzerland has a lot of immigration. So there's always that little bit, you know, in addition to the initial Swiss hesitancy when meeting people, there was always just a little bit more when they knew that you weren't from here. Mm-hmm. But it was there was always a very slight change in attitude when I said, "Oh, we're from New Zealand," and they were like, "Oh, okay, why why are mm-hmm. you here?" Mm-hmm. And then I would say, "Oh, my grandparents are Swiss," mm-hmm. and then there was always like, a, "Oh, okay, you know that makes sense. You know, it, it, the world makes sense again. You're coming <laughs> back to your heritage." So I felt like that conversation could have gone differently if I just said, "Yeah, we we are complete, you know, foreigners just here for business." That might have been quite a different conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. especially in that sort of small let's say rural setting uh, yeah. but uh, yeah well it, it actually makes sense um, t- to me as well I think it's nice to go back to to your roots and to your heritage yet now going back to New Zealand don't you guys feel like you're foreigners actually in your home country 
because you've been away for such a long time and this is a this 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 is the shock that people experience and they're like well well this is everything i knew and everything i when i'm homesick i long for yet you know it's no longer the the, the country that i i left it's 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 changed and i feel like i'm i'm a foreigner here in my own home it's it's definitely different um I wouldn't say that I feel like a foreigner, but it, this, uh, there are some things that are suddenly foreign that weren't before. So I can now hear the New Zealand accent, mm-hmm. <laughs> which wasn't the case before. I'm definitely, I've definitely become very Swiss in terms of timekeeping, very punctual, and I expect the same of others. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've been laughed at, you know, when I've said to friends, oh, I'll meet you there, I arrive at 10 past four. Just say four. You four, know? yeah. Why ten past? Yeah. <laughs> and and I'm like, oh, I actually rounded up from uh, you know four oh eight to ten past because I was in New Zealand. But in that case, that that wasn't uh, casual enough. So it's, it's quite quite different. Uh, a friend of mine who was visiting Switzerland from New Zealand was coming to meet me by train, mm-hmm. and I told him to take the train that leaves at three fifty two on platform three. And so he was on platform three at 10 to 4 mm-hmm. and he got on the train that was there he was like oh it's 10 to I'm on the right platform I'll just get on that train but he ended up taking the train that left at 49 not at 52 <laughs> and went completely a wrong direction and he couldn't understand how he had got on the wrong train so mm-hmm. it's, it's really it's it's quite different in terms of uh in timekeeping and punctuality and oh really okay well that's new yeah. I didn't know I thought that was very Okay. New Zealand I mean, would be a bit more casual, right? A bit more relaxed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say it's on island time. Uh, so we're not speaking, you know, like round up to the next hour. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it's definitely a lot more laid back in terms of that. And also, like I said, the social things, I feel like I physically cannot drink a glass of alcohol without first clinking the glasses of mm-hmm, saying cheers. Mm-hmm. Whereas in New Zealand, they look at me like, oh, why? What are we celebrating? Ah, okay. Need <laughs> so, a reason for that. You so, need a reason. Like, yeah. Okay. Whereas in whereas in Switzerland, it's like, oh, we have to say cheers. So we we also need a reason, but it's because we, we have to clink the glasses at, at all costs. Um, so that's always funny going back. Driving on the other side of the road is something that's always come very quickly to me, having having been driven on that side of the road for that long. So that yeah. that's never an issue. But it's just oh, I think the other thing that I realize is the the openness of people talking to each other. Um, for example, standing in line. Where and how? If openness I'm standing in line in to buy something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just no, in New Zealand. Openness, yeah. Switzerland. Yeah, no, exactly the opposite. So in New Zealand, standing mm-hmm. in line to buy something, it's mm-hmm. completely normal that the people standing in line will talk to each other. I've had um, the cashier at the at the desk ask me what my plans for New Year's were or mm-hmm. what I'm doing this afternoon. And whereas I probably wouldn't have thought anything of it, you know, 15 years ago now, I'm like, oh, why do you want to hang out or something? Yeah. So interesting. Uh, yeah. There's a, a couple of different quirks mm-hmm. that I only realize now and that I find, oh, I'm actually, I've become quite Swiss in that respect, but not as much as, uh, as I would fear. Mm-hmm. But is there... Um... I would imagine there there are lots of international communities. Is there any sort of New Zealanders community that you would be active in or you'd sort of support or, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily something that you'd, um, 
you do on a regular basis, but, but is there anything like that here in Switzerland? Not that I know of, no. I have met um, a couple of New Zealanders just along the way. Um, mm -hmm. The story is of New Zealand, everyone knows each other somehow, and I did actually have connections to the two families that I met completely randomly on the street that we'd grown mm -hmm. up in the same area or, you know, we'd, we'd, uh, we'd both been through that place at that time. So, uh, um, but, but no, we haven't really seen or, or encountered or, or really, you know, joined any kind of New Zealand club here and mm -hmm. here in mm -hmm. Switzerland. Right. So what is it that you, that you do? You mentioned you're a career coach. So um, where do you work and how did you, how did you get to where you are now? Well, It's an interesting story because when I arrived at 15 in Switzerland, I wasn't ready to choose a career. I'd thought about becoming a journalist. That was something that vaguely interested me. Um, but in New Zealand, it was going to be a couple of years before I would have to decide anything. Whereas in Switzerland at 15, there's a big decision to decide whether or not you're going to do an apprenticeship and start work a year later mm -hmm. or can you, sorry, can move you, can on you explain to it a bit more in a, in a bit more detail I think it would be interesting um just you know what the situation is and what what your situation was sure sure so um in Switzerland after primary school you have the three years of what they call sick secondary school and in the second year of secondary school you decide so at that, this point you're maybe 14 years old mm you decide whether or not you would like you would be interested in further schooling. So there are many, many, many people who end up doing an apprenticeship, which is maybe you could compare it to uh, like a trade, but mm -hmm. also many business people. Um, uh, commercial schools and so on. Yeah, Commercial, you know, retail and also all of the trades. Those are all apprenticeships. Um, and so at 14, you kind of decide which of these is right for me and you've really apply that's the kind of the first job application you ever do mm -hmm. with help from your teacher mm -hmm. so you do these uh what they call schnuppertake so we always laughed at that you go have a have a sniff at these different workplaces it's a weird word <laughs> why would you have a sniff but yeah well yeah you get just you, you know go and sniff them out I guess uh see yeah. if that's something for you <laughs> and uh and then in the third year then you would either start your apprenticeship or you'd do the third year of secondary school and then move on to, to further schooling mm -hmm. whatever that may be and I think it's a really good system in the fact that there are a lot of a lot of kids who aren't enjoying school whose talents lie elsewhere in in mm -hmm. terms of academic achievement and it's a, just a great way for them to have this first experience of the working world while still in a very you know controlled uh, environment so you would be working either two to three days a week, and then you'd have two or three days of school, respectively, that would be very related to your chosen career field, uh, which I was very interested in at the time. But unfortunately, I'd only just learned German um, and I couldn't speak French. And French is such a big part of the school here that I was actually told that I didn't have a chance of getting an apprenticeship at all if I didn't learn French. So at the time, I visited just the local government uh, offered career coaching and and that was what they said to me they said look either you do a year of extra school and learn French and then try again for an apprenticeship but I mm. can't guarantee after just one year everyone else has been learning French for five years or you go in and do a uh, do some sort of trade mm -hmm. you know become a carpenter or, or an electrician or something and I just thought what 
are those my only options? That just, that just can't be right. That's quite so challenging, I, uh, I, I can imagine. I mean, and that's a very, very young age to yes. sort of make that decision. Yes, I, 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 hadn't really, I really hadn't given it a lot of thought and was suddenly feeling very pressured into having to make a decision. Um, so I ended up going to night classes for French. And luckily, my mum had been working for an international school. Mm-hmm. And we came up with the idea to, to transition then to an international school for further schooling, which also required French, but also required English. Mm-hmm. So I did my night French classes and uh, learned as much French as I could and then compensated my bad French with my excellent English and just mm-hmm. passed the mm-hmm. interest exam to get that further schooling. So like the equivalent of a high school, A-levels, mm-hmm. high school diploma. So I got the Swiss Matura. And by that point, luckily, I had kind of found my calling, had found out what I loved doing, which was psychology. So then I uh, directly then signed up for um, bachelor's and then also my master's at the University of Zurich in psychology. Afterwards, I mean, what was the was the working trajectory? So now you're a career coach. Yeah, I, I made a decision quite early on that I wasn't going to go towards clinical psychology, um, much more towards business psychology. Mm-hmm. So my degree is in work and organizational psychology. And then um, as a very social person looking to support others in whatever way I can, mm-hmm. when I saw this job opportunity it just seemed so right for me because it's also a very international um workplace but also international thinking workplace Mm -hmm. and it just seemed very you know symbolic to me that I was now going to be able to help the kids like I was Mm -hmm. who Mm -hmm. aren't quite fitting into the Swiss system somehow and you know need someone with a little bit of perspective to help them find their path and maybe look at the opportunities that lie outside you know maybe the typical Swiss system that I didn't have at that time mm-hmm. so uh, I've been working here at Stednitz so I'm working at Stednitz Designer Life we're based in Hünk in Zurich mm-hmm. and I've been working here for two and a half years now and I work with all kinds of clients um, so we really specialize in strength-based analysis we do career coaching but also life design Mm-hmm. And it's just so important to look at the whole picture. So mm-hmm. I always say we, we really try and get all of those puzzle pieces that, that make someone um, themselves. And then with all of that, then going out and looking into the working world, into the you know, career field that they're interested in, and then seeing what's right for them rather mm-hmm. than the other way around. Mm-hmm. And that's been, uh, that's been really rewarding work for me. And I've really been enjoying that. Yeah, I can imagine. And it's also very, very helpful, I would say, exactly what you mentioned to people who are struggling or who are on a path that perhaps they're not very, you know, sure about. And you mentioned that the majority of your clientele then are expats, right, or are of international background, people in similar situations. So let's say whole families, would you specialize then in working with the kids or working with adults or whole groups together or how how do you work there so we work with kids teens and adults okay all separately though um and so yeah I would I would probably say there's a good mix of both local and international clients 
some of which are truly international, you know, living overseas who have just heard of us mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and want to take our services. So that would be working online with them. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of clients in Zurich, either local or expat, where their kids are trying to find their path within the Swiss school system. Mm-hmm. But also the, the adults or the parents who are looking for ways to further their career in this kind of new environment. Mm-hmm. So something that a lot of people um, find difficult in Switzerland is that the qualifications here are very yeah. important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, no matter where you're going, you need to have a qualification. I, I mean, my first experience of this was my father, when we came to Switzerland, he had been uh, an IT expert in New Zealand, quite a high, high pressure job. And you know, thought in Switzerland for a while there, he might just, you know, do a little bit of, you know, casual work, something like, you know, mowing lawns or just helping out um, just for a break. But he was actually told that he needed a certificate to do any sort of gardening work (laughs) and Mm -hmm. that he was overqualified and that they couldn't pay him what he was used to be paid. And, and that he really could not get, get a casual job. And that was just very, interesting to us at that time that he really only could go back into the field of work that he was specialized in Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so helping international clientele here finding their way into either a very similar or maybe a little bit of a different field maybe you know moving slightly diagonally helping them find footing in that area and if and what qualifications they might need to support that so helping them understand the whole job market, because it is rather unique, I would say, especially, okay, when we look at Europe, for example, okay, I'm not comparing it to, let's say, overseas, I don't know what the situation is like, um, let's say about Australia, New Zealand, I know Australia is also quite strict with work and travel visa, I mean, sort of being very protective of their own uh, market, which, you know, is a, is a fair thing, and it's a good thing. Uh, but it's definitely very good that you provide such services. and um, you help people understand, okay, it's probably not, it, it might be very easy if you, let's say, um, are a German doctor and, uh, you know, there's lack of doctors and you're well qualified, you don't have any language barrier, um, mm-hmm. yet perhaps your spouse <laughs> won't have it as easy as, as, as you. And then I think psychologically, that's also a process that isn't easy. And uh, I've had a couple of uh, interviews uh, also here on Xlender uh, with people who've gone through that sort of stage, um, realizing that, yes, I mean, I will need to start studying again um, at the age of 40, for example, you know, with two kids at home. Um, sometimes this is quite challenging. So I think that's, um, that's a very interesting field. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the biggest things is always um, having a personal network. You know, over 60% of jobs aren't even written out. You know, they just go through the personal network or as the Swiss say it, through vitamin B. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I've heard of also. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, helping people and supporting people to expand their network professionally, giving them the tools that they need to do that, maybe some ideas of what circles that they could be joining that might be helpful for them. Ulrike Stednitz, who actually founded Stednitz Design Your Life, also has a very, very extensive professional network that we can sometimes also help out with a personal contact, just somewhere to get started, which is uh, so, so valuable to our clients. Right. I mean, what a story. I mean, very, very interesting. You're, um, 
one of the very few people from overseas. So we've had Americans, we had one person from Australia or like a Czech person living in Australia. So that was uh, live in Adelaide and uh, New Zealand. I mean, okay, you're in Zurich, but it's somehow still, I think it's still exotic. I think the distance <laughs> makes it so magical. I don't know why. I mean, even though culturally, I mean, it's not nothing as... Um, It's not as exotic, yet the distance is somehow, for, for many people, very, you know, it, you, it's, it's, it's hard to grasp it, I would say. Absolutely. So, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. We really got that feeling from, from friends when we moved here as well. Like, it's literally on the other side of the planet. <laughs> anything you'd like to add, then? I, I would just uh, absolutely encourage anyone who was thinking about moving to a different country, either professionally or personally. It's just such a rewarding experience and it just gives you so much perspective, you know, for, for however long you've been. And I mean, we see it even in, in the kids that come to us that, you know, these, these little seven-year-olds with so much perspective because they've lived in two different places and they understand that it could be different or it can be different. Mm -hmm. And I found also in the workplace that that is really something that's a strength that you can bring with you to the workplace and that thinking, you know, outside of the box, thinking laterally and having that kind of culture mm. experience to bring with you that I can, uh, I can only recommend it as tough as it is, you know, as hard mm. as it is sometimes mm -hmm. that, you know, the identity crisis that goes with it, you just, you learn so much more about yourself And yeah, you're, it's just such a, such a fulfilling life to lead. I agree with that. It is, uh, it is a rewarding experience, very challenging sometimes, I would say, but it is, at the end of the day, it is an asset, I would say, to all your sort of skills and to all the tools that you, that you use in your, in your daily life. It's uh, very, very enriching. Well, Absolutely. I mean, congrats on that. Uh, really, really interesting. Thank you very much, Stephanie, for taking the time. And thank um, you so for much for having your story. me. <laughs> and um, yeah, for introducing um, your your job and um, and the company that you work for. And uh, yeah, thanks for all the, all the great job that you um, that you're doing for expats and people like us and people who like to listen to to Xlender. Thank you very much. <laughs> Have a My good pleasure. day. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. Bye.